Welcome to the Suicide Prevention and Awareness Podcast, part of CBP's Shine a Light Suicide Prevention Program. Today, we will be talking with Jane Doe, a spouse of a CBP employee, and Dr. Kent Corso, a clinical psychologist specializing in suicide prevention. In this episode, Jane discusses the challenges she faces as a lost survivor and how she is managing her grief. Hi, and welcome to our monthly podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today and to our guests for being with us. Just a few caveats before we get going. I am a clinical psychologist, so I am a doctor, but I'm not the doctor for our guest. This isn't therapy or counseling, nor is anything we talk about today going to involve or constitute medical advice. This is just a conversation that suicide is a difficult topic to talk about. It's not one that we can discuss vaguely or indirectly if we hope to make a difference. So for our listeners out there, we are going to have a frank conversation today. If by any chance you have lived experience or you are triggered, if anything we discuss is upsetting or distressing to you, please reach out for help. Reach out to those who care for you and love you and reach out to those who you love. If you're a CBP employee or family member and you need help, you can always contact a peer support member, chaplain, or veteran support member. Or you can reach out to our employee assistance program. If you are not a CBP employee, you can always call or text 988, the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Today, our guest is Jane Doe. Thanks so much for joining us, Jane. She has asked that we do not use her name just for the privacy of her family and her community. But Jane is a suicide loss survivor. She is the spouse of one of the employees who ended his life earlier this year in the Rio Grande Valley area. Welcome, Jane. Hi, thank you for having me, Dr. Corto. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're doing since losing your husband? Oh, my. Do you have a year? we've got more like 15 minutes but but let's let me don't don't hold back (laughs) well i mean if i'm being honest it's just it's been a a roller coaster a wave of emotions it's it's, honestly it, it sometimes i feel like i've got it under control and then other times i feel like i i just i i can't like i cannot even face the day but I've been fortunate enough to have so much support not just from family and friends but from my church community and even my late husband's employer and it's just been overwhelming for me in a good and in a bad way because I the only way that I can that I can ever describe my grief is just a nightmare, a tragic nightmare that I just, I find myself waking up to a reality that I never asked for and my kids never asked for. And it's, it's just a struggle every day, even to just when I open my eyes every morning, when I look to the side of the bed where it's empty now. And for 26 years, there was always my person, my human, was there. And he's not there anymore. 
the hair on my arms are standing up, Gene, as you describe it, because it, it does sound like a nightmare. And it does sound like something that is unfair. Like, like I didn't choose this. I didn't want this. And, and here I am stuck with dealing with it. And despite the support you're getting from your church and from CBP, and despite probably an overwhelming outpouring of love and affection and warmth and support, there's still an empty place in your bed, in your house, in your home, in your heart. In my life, yes. And the only way that I sometimes, or what I tell myself is that, you know, he, he's in peace, but we were left in pieces. And it's just, you know, sometimes I can't help but to feel anger. Anger because how does a person, even me at my age, how I have so many questions, so many what is, so many things that I would have wanted to, would have wanted answers to. And yeah. sometimes when I think about it, the more I think about it, the more I think about my kids, our kids, and how this person that promise to always shield us and protect us from the world obviously brought upon this much pain and at the end of the day sometimes I think the person we needed protection from was him his state of mind that he never he never shared that he never gave me the opportunity to help I never knew I was blindsided and so all this time he's your rock he's the rock for the children. He's this foundation, this source of strength and hope and love and devotion. And yet, in hindsight, he's the one who really needed the support. He's the one who needed the outreach. And that's both enraging, confusing, unfair, right? It is. It is. It, it, it just seems that sometimes I think about whenever I'm, I'm I'm somewhere, if I'm at the mall or if I take my girls out to a restaurant and I see a family, especially when I see a family of four, because that was us. And when I look at our table, I just realize that we're not a table of four anymore. We're a table of three. And that's just, it's very hard to swallow that reality. Very hard to swallow because, like I mentioned, he was the the strong one in the relationship or so we thought he was the stable one as far as you know whenever I just didn't feel like life was just I felt life was too much and he would always encourage me and tell me you know there is he never had a, a, a bad day not according to him so we would ask each other like how was your day or we would have our family discussions and we talk about our peak and pit once a week and he never had a pit. He never had a pit. And I remember it saying, wow, like one day I want to be just like you where you don't know what it feels to be sad. Because he would say that. I don't know what it is to be sad. So when I say I was blindsided, I mean I was blindsided. You know, Jane, when, when I heard about your husband's death, and I started talking to people who knew him. They were absolutely blindsided as well. They said, Mr. Doe, 
if you're Jane Doe, he's Mr. Doe, right? Mr. Doe, there's <laughs> no way he would have done that. He was the one who was building everybody else up. He was the one who was always so positive, such a force of positivity and, and high morale and high regard for others and lifting other people up. So you're not alone, Jane, with the fact that this was a blind side to the agency. It was a blind side to his friends, obviously to his family. And I know that that doesn't make it better, but it certainly speaks to the shared key. And you mentioned how he's in peace, but you're in pieces. I think that's a very insightful statement. And when we think about the pain that continues to unfold for people who knew him and who miss him and now who are grieving his loss, it sounds like one of the things that has helped is sort of sharing that pain with others. There's this phrase that pain shared is pain divided. Dr. Ken Middleton, who says that, it's a brilliant quote. Are you finding, Jane, that as you share the pain, it does divide it into smaller doses, that it, it does help it not be better, but maybe be more tolerable? I do. More so, I've, I've been in therapy for nine months, and it really helped me. There are days where sometimes I just feel like it's not bearable, but when I share what I feel, even with my therapist dream, and if I share my thoughts and my feelings with my friends or with my daughter, my older daughter, it helps. Like you said, it just feels like I spread not my pain because that's not what I want to do. I don't want to spread my pain, but I think it just helps to alleviate the heaviness of the emotion of what I'm feeling at the moment. And so even now, it helps. It helps me, and it also it helps in the sense that in my pain, if I can share my pain with someone, and not that I want to vomit pain all over someone, but if it'll help anyone, that's what I want to share. When I share my my thoughts or what I'm feeling with someone, sometimes I just don't feel connected because that certain person doesn't know what it is to feel depression, or they have not lost someone in the manner that I've lost my my husband. So it's, I know they want to understand. They just simply can't. So by me sharing my story, I hope that somebody out there knows that I know what you feel. I really appreciate that as you speak to our audience, Jane. It's, it's as if only someone who's lost their spouse to suicide can really relate and can really be validated that others know what it's like. And, and as I hear you choking back some of those tears, Jane, I, I have to ask you, He's crying help. It's such a natural human response to pain. Do you find that it's helpful? It does. It really does. I, I feel like it just, it lifts a weight off my shoulder. And sometimes I even ask myself, like, where do all these tears come from? Sometimes I feel dehydrated, honestly, because it's just so much. It, it's so much everyday thing. And sometimes I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. There's times when I think about him and the memory of some funny thing he said or funny thing he did. I smile, but I still cry. Right. I think the misconception that a lot of people have is that after a loss, the grieving and the bereavement, it's not the same as, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I'm downplaying anybody else's loss, but like for us, the survivors, we just feel abandoned. That's how I feel sometimes. 
feel like we were just left to hunt for ourselves and that's not the way it was supposed to be. Right. Right. You're left sending for yourselves and, and you were supposed to be taken care of instead and taking care of each other, right? That's correct. I just feel that if you can't open up to the people that you love the most, who else can you open up to? And, and I get those questions a lot. Like, did you not see it coming? Did you not see the sign? Of course not. I did it. Had I seen them, we wouldn't be in this position. Of course. Had you seen them, you would have done something. Of course you would have. Exactly. And that's, that is so normal for people who lose a loved one to suicide to start kicking themselves and raking themselves over the coals with should have, would have, could have. What could I have done? What, how could I have seen this differently? And, and the reality is oftentimes we can't and we didn't see it. And that's okay. Right? That's correct. Jane, a few minutes ago, you spoke directly to our listeners who may have also lost someone to suicide. What would you say to any of our listeners who are thinking about suicide? Don't do it. Seek help. If it's not with your family that you can open up with, seek therapy. Seek therapy. See God. I'm not sure how many people are religious, but I think that when you seek God, I know that that helped me and it's helped me through my healing process. There is a lot of resources out there right now. And I mean, just even if she needs to survivors like to our story, it'll just give you some type of. I don't know, I would say a preview of what, what's to happen if you're thinking about these things and you actually go through it. It's the aftermath. Sometimes they think that in their mind, in their state of mind, they think that the family would be better off without them and they're not. Right, right. You're not better off yes. without your loved one. No, nowhere now. There's absolutely no way that I can sit here and say that we are better off because we're not. Right. There's absolutely no way that I can sit here and say that if you are a parent, your kids will not be better off without you. It's a lifetime without you. Just seek help. Because sometimes when people think that when they open up, it's a weakness, but it's not a weakness. It's actually very courageous for you to reach out for help. It takes more courage to ask for help than it is to just bottom it up and just have everything implode. And, and just for our listeners, when Jane's talking about help, she sees a therapist. Jane, you see a therapist. You talked about friends, family. You talked about spirituality. For you, that means church, it sounds like. And of course, we have EAP. We have peer support. We have chaplains. If none of those options sound of interest to you, and you're a listener right now who's had suicidal thoughts, find any other source of help, whether it's at a church or temple or synagogue or any sort of spiritual help. Go to your healthcare provider where you can get treatment or get care. Jane, what lifts you up to all this pain? We talked about it at the beginning and there have been clearly some things that have helped you. What lifts you up? What keeps you hopeful? My children. My children keep me hopeful because I I see purpose in my life. And we're now more so because I'm, I'm a solo parent. I'm not, I tell people I'm not a parent. I'm a solo parent. And so my motivation are my kids. Yeah. And you mentioned a and, moment ago, they're your meaning and purpose. We know that when people decide to end their lives, oftentimes it's because they lose their meaning and purpose. And in this case, it's not that your kids didn't mean something to you before, but they're even more meaningful now, right? It sort of emboldens you that I'm a, solo parents and they are my priority that is correct 
because I won't forget. I will not forget about two weeks after my the passing of my husband. I was I, I needed to go to H E B with my little one. I said, Mom, where are you going? I told her where I was going. And she said, Can you please not go? And I asked her why. And she said, Because you might be you might get into an accident and what am I gonna do? I'm gonna be an orphan. That just hit hard. The kids are so insightful. They are so sharp. And and just one event is enough to start making them look for future threats like that. A repeated event, me. Your kids lift you up not only because it's your meaning and purpose, but it sounds like just the time you spend with them lifts you up. That is correct. I, if I were spending a hundred percent of my time at one point, it's now two hundred percent. It's just everything I do, I do for them, and I do it around them. And it just seems that, you know, for some people, they say, "Well, you need to, you need to do stuff for yourself." And for me, it's like, that is what I'm doing for myself. Right. Right. Because one day, um, one day I'll look back on it and I'll think I gave it my all. That's exactly right. And everybody's different. We can't say that you should do more of this or more of that. We have to think what's working, what's uplifting. Correct. Whatever that is. That's what we need to do more of, right? You used to say what you should or shouldn't do. Yes. Because everybody's life is different. Everybody's motivation is different. Some people don't have kids. So their motivation is something else. I know I find myself having little pep talks every morning. Like I give myself, I allow myself, like I say it, I allow myself to cry and just throw a pity party for about Uh an hour. And then I tell myself, Jane, that's enough. That's enough for today. Put it away and bring it out tomorrow. Good for you that you're able to say when it's enough and to authorize yourself and give yourself that time and space and give yourself that moment to just be human. And then you're able to also shift gears and say, okay, let's move on for the day, Jane. That is so healthy. That is so constructive. If you're going through a a situation, and I know that a lot of people say that some people choose to make a permanent decision a temporary problem but for the person that's going through it it's not a temporary problem this is an ongoing problem and seek help seek help is not for you for your loved one that's brilliant that's brilliant if you're not willing to seek help for yourself at least do it for your loved one mm-hmm. so you don't leave this wake of damage and pain and hurt thank you so much jane i realize it was very hard to do this and i i truly appreciate it and i know our listeners appreciate it You're welcome. This is part of our ongoing podcast series for suicide prevention and awareness. If you see someone struggling, say something. Asking them about suicidal thoughts may feel awkward, but you can help reduce suicide risk at home and in the workplace by tolerating that awkwardness. Simply ask, how can I help? And then just listen to the person. Make sure you ask them if they're thinking of ending their life. It really does make a difference. Thank you again to our guests. I really appreciate you. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We'll speak to you again on our next episode.